All right, what's going on? Welcome to Canel and Bell hanging out. Raja is out today, so we got our guy Brad Botkin in filling in for him. We're gonna help. Uh, he's gonna help break down some of this NBA free agency stuff. A uh, lot to get to. There's an idea that's out there about doing away with the NBA draft. I think it's impossible. Brad loves it. So that should be a fun conversation. Pete Prisco's top 100 list has been getting some criticism, and I'm going to keep piling on to that. And we have a possible Brett Favre comeback. Or do we? We'll get to that later, late late in the show. Um, before we get going on some of the Rockets drama that's unfolding, Brad, optimal temperature for you is what? Like if your 70, house— 70 is where I keep my house. 70? And I have to be a little lower to sleep. Yeah, so I would say that's true too, except with a family full of kids, I have a lot of square footage. I go 72 because I'm cheap. My, <laughs> so the, I go 72. I'm in dad mode. Okay, like, hey, your, shut the doors. Don't your, let it out. What's your uh, power bill? I mean, it can get in the summertime, it gets up around 500 bucks. Yeah. It ain't cheap. What's your square footage? Uh, I'm like 4,500 square Oh, that's feet. bigger than me. See, I've got like 2,200 and we have a pool, so that, that factors in. Yep. Um, but it's like 350. Right. But I won't, but like 50 bucks to me is not worth like sweating <laughs> at night. Right. I'm telling you, my air conditioner went out about three months ago. <clears throat> we finally had to replace it, which was like five grand. Yep. Uh, and I, w- I found myself walking. You-, you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah. You remember the episode where Skyler just gives up on life and just walks into the pool? Yes. Dude, I did that. <laughs> At like 3 in the morning, I just got out of bed and just walked into the pool, and I sat there until the sun came up. I love it. It's so horrible, and I can't have a hot house. We have uh, the Nest system, which I love. You can control the stuff with your app on your phone, like when you're coming home. So I'm big on maximizing so like when we leave the house i'll make oh, sure wow. the air yeah, is up oh you totally like, you unplug the toaster and everything not that bad but i will sometimes then i don't know so for some reason sometimes in the middle of the night it has like this optimal thing where it does save you energy and it kicks it up to 74 and that drives me nuts like i want it to oh, be that would, that would wake 72. me up yeah, that, yeah and it does it wakes me up too but uh i go today, 70 and i got a fan on me yeah the reason i asked that is because in studio today i think it's about 78 yeah, we're at a little humid so i might be uh might be sweating by the end of the show profusely and might be losing some weight maybe that's on the good are you side. older than brett Favre? uh no thank goodness I want to see what he's, kind of condition you're years. in in this heat uh, yeah, exactly. So you could, so you could make a comeback then. I mean, if totally. You Let's do it. I mean, I'm not that much older than Tom Brady. That's what's crazy. And Drew, Drew Brees. And they're, could they're you go, some could of the you last be a third stringer right now. Totally. You don't do anything. I could get okay, it done. Okay, but if, 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 if I was like, called upon. Dude, Danny, you got to go in. I could get it done. I could go out there, hand off, make a couple easy throws. I, like I wouldn't be able to last multiple games. All right. But I could get it done. I go out there and get a first down completion every once in a while. All right, that's a whole nother. That's that's like a deep uh, in July, August uh, conversation when there's nothing else. But because it's the NBA, because we have free agency coming up, because we have the NBA draft, which takes place tomorrow night, there is a lot of drama unfolding and none more so than what the Houston Rockets are dealing with. So we've had all these multiple reports, and I would say it really goes back to when they were bounced from the playoffs and the initial reports came out. Well, first of all, you had James Harden who comes out right after the game and he says, we know what we have to do. It's kind of cryptic. You're like, all right, what is that? Then you have Daryl Morey. The reports are that he's willing to trade basically everybody except James Harden. So you get to that point. And then Rajah brought it up not that long ago when the Anthony Day, or no, this was before, when Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson were out, when it felt like everything was wide open in the Western Conference, Rajah brought up the point, if you're Houston and you were thinking about blowing it up, would you change your mind because it looks more wide open. The team that you've been unable to contend with is all of a sudden a shell of themselves. Maybe you keep things intact. And I thought it was a pretty good point. Yeah. But 
that apparently is not what's going to happen as you've got all these reports coming out. So the relationship between James Harden and Chris Paul has been the centerpiece uh, of a lot of the drama that is unfolding. Vincent Goodwill from Yahoo Sports uh, said it was a delicate relationship that has been termed, quote, unsalvageable, and the star players want a divorce. Paul went to the Rockets' management, demanded a trade, and Harden issued a him-or-me edict following the Rockets' second-round loss to the Golden State Warriors. Um, that's the first thing. So CP3, Chris Paul goes out on an Instagram post, and he says, damn, that's news to me, trying to downplay it. We've had Daryl Morey out there trying to downplay it. I think it's totally real. Like I, I just think with the James Harden yeah, but comments, you, but, you after, love, but you love drama. I love drama. It's yeah, my, but you're my, definitely buying into it. I'm absolutely buying into it because usually where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah, I just I don't, don't know, know if, how I, bad I, it is. Yeah, Salvageable, I think, is a term that I don't know if it's an inferno. I mean, I think you know, like most things, I think the reality is probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, you know, from a basketball standpoint, bottom line is Chris Paul is on a steep decline. Uh, and that's why the Rockets aren't able to win right now. Regardless of what the Warriors have turned into or anybody else, the Lakers are coming up. The Western Conference is going to be very difficult regardless of what happens to the Warriors. Uh, and Chris Paul is not playing at that level anymore. Uh, and you say that it looks like this is uh, going to happen in terms of a blow-up. Uh, they might want it to happen. I don't know what kind of face they're trying to save with this you know, kind of PR now that, that this got out. Uh, there's been a lot of reports that they tested the waters on Paul and nobody was willing to take him. And so now they have to say it's not right, real. Right. Uh, and that's really the reality of it is they can want to blow it up all they want. If they find a taker for Chris Paul, then uh, they've found a sucker. Uh, he's not quite John Wall, but he's got one of the worst uh, contracts in the league right now in terms of what they owe him and the amount of years that he has left and the level that he's still playing at. So... For the most part, the Rockets are more than likely going to have to run it back with Paul and Harden. Three years left on Chris Paul's deal. He's at $124 million, around $40 million each year. He's nowhere it's close insanity. to that level of a player now. No. Nowhere close. And it's, you, you can watch it. I'm, a, I don't even, I'm not a diehard NBA guy. You can see it on the court. Um, the problem, the, the, the problem, and you can understand why they did it because they were so close to beating the Warriors in game seven the previous year. Right. But you've just got to be so careful. And we're going to talk about this later with the Celtics and Al Horford and how much you're willing to pay an aging star who's clearly not what he was right now and is going to be on a steep decline probably exponentially in the years to come. You've got to be very, very careful about what you commit to in those contracts. Now, obviously the Rockets thought they were so close. And they didn't see that much of a decline happening in one summer for Chris Paul. You can understand the reason for bringing it back. Uh, but they had other options. Here's why I believe it. What do you think Chris Paul's reputation is around the league? Well, you, t you can talk to anyone, and there's very few teammates that like Chris Paul. <laughs> that was my thing. And that's where the report that came out that said James Harden, you know, Chris Paul felt like he was older, had more uh, experience in the league, and he was trying to tell James Harden how to play. And I could see James Harden being like, hold on a second, man. I'm an MVP. Yeah. Like, and you're in here telling me how to play ball? Disparity, you know, it, that got painted like a, a 1A and 1B situation. We're bringing in a sidekick. Right. Chris Paul's not even close to James Harden's sidekick. This is not like a Kevin Durant, Steph Curry situation. Not at all. He's not even close. Uh, but you can see Chris Paul being the type of player who's going to forever see himself that way. Right. And totally. he's going to project himself that way. He's going to assert himself as a leader and as the alpha on the team. 
Uh, so he's going to be a tough guy to deal with as his game kind of declines, unlike, say, a guy like Tim Duncan, right. who sort of just accepts yeah. He his started age, playing at $8 million bucks a year in the extent, back end. Cause accepts he just his wanted... changing role, never had to take the assertive role with the team. Uh, I think it's going to be a different process for Paul. That said, uh, from a basketball standpoint, James Harden would be tough to play with too. Yeah. If you think about trying to bring in uh, another superstar, dude, Jimmy Butler, come play for us. You're going to stand over in the corner and while watch. James Harden dribbles 15 times a possession. It's 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 a very difficult proposition to play with James Harden as an even-keeled system. When you got four guys who aren't even close to him, do you they'll think, accept it. Do you think James Harden would change if a Jimmy Butler was there? Because a lot of the conversation was had when he had that streak of 30-plus games yeah. was, oh, Chris Paul is hurt. They're dealing with injuries. He has to play basketball this way. It's the only way they can win, which you could argue and make a point. Well, they might have been able to win other ways. I would. But do you think James, but do you think James Harden, and it might have been Mike D'Antoni saying, Hey, go out and roll it out. You do the thing. You do your thing. But do you think they would evolve to a point where James Harden might say, All right, this is a lot of load on me. It might make my job easier. I might not get as many shots, but we could be a better team. That's why I don't know if James Harden. Yeah, listen, I mean, the load aside, just can it win? You know, you get to the playoffs and certain things that work in the regular season start to get exposed. They're a very predictable team. Uh, There are things that you can do. You saw Utah get very dramatic in what they did. They were playing behind James Harden. When there's really only one guy you have to focus on, as good as Harden is, when you get these in-depth scouting reports, you get the familiarity in a playoff series by game two, game three. They know everything he's going to do. There's really no mystery to what the Rockets are going to do to start with. You, It is difficult for one guy to carry that load. Uh, not just from a load standpoint, just from a pure production standpoint. James Harden's efficiency kind of really dropped off in the playoffs. Uh, but also it is, it's the way the Rockets have designed it. To your point, I don't think it's just that James Harden is willing or unwilling to change kind of his own edicts as a basketball player. This is how they've designed the team. They have designed the team with players who aren't capable of doing more outside of their role. They're spot up shooters outside of Eric Gordon who could probably do a little more as a playmaker. They've designed it so that James Harden has to carry them. So if they change their roster, uh, I don't think there's any reason to believe that uh, James Harden wouldn't be amenable. All right, so let's move on to the Lakers because I think the Lakers are a really interesting um, scenario that's unfolding right now. I thought they were going to get fleeced in the trade for Anthony Davis because they were desperate. Then the fact they kept Kyle Kuzma, I thought made it a little bit more even, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. I'm going to ask you this, Brad. Do you think there's a chance that the Lakers said, all right, let's just get him. Let's just do it. Let's make the deal. And they didn't have the foresight to realize how strapped they were going to be salary cap wise. Cause that's what it feels like to me looking at it now and saying, all right, cause it, as soon as the trade was made, everybody starts breaking it down. They're like, hold on a second. They're only going to have $23 million left. They're going to be much short of a max. They're not going to be able to add a max contract, another max player. So you could have a big three. Now they're talking about trading away everybody, moving every single piece except for three players to create space for one player, which where are the other six, seven guys that fill out the roster? Like what type of player are they going to be? Do you have that feeling or do you think it was worth it to say, make it happen and then just figure out a way after? There's a lot of layers. (laughs) Right? You know, obviously you get Anthony Davis and you pair him up with LeBron James on some level, you've done a good thing. Right. That's why they're the favorite to win the they NBA championship. They should not be the favorite. That, I agree. That is a huge, huge overreaction, and, and Vegas knows that idiots are going to bet because it's the Lakers. That's right. like making the Cowboys, like the whatever they are, they're going to like the second best odds. Right. You know, people are stupid. Um, 
I think there's a chance. I mean, look, let's look at the track record of, of this front office, <laughs> right? I think there's a chance that they did not understand the timing mechanism of this deal. And for people who still don't understand it, because it's, it's confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm one of those people. Okay. I have trouble keeping up with all this. So here's the gist of it. <clears throat> if the Lakers were able to push the deal back and the Pelicans were willing to do this to 30 days after the opening of free agency, which is July 1st. So if the deal didn't go official until July 30th, then Anthony Davis's money would not be on the Lakers' books. He technically would not be on their team during free agency. So they would have the max money that they went into free agency, which which is $32.5 million, enough to sign a max free agent with less than 10 years service, i.e. Kawhi Leonard, uh, Irving, Jimmy Butler, Kemba. All those guys are under 10 Quick years. question, but let me interrupt. Quick question. Okay. The fourth overall pick was part of this deal. Would that have thrown that off? Because well, here's, the here's the thing. Uh, a... a draft pick, an unused draft pick, does not count as salary toward a trade until after that player has signed. Gotcha. So, if it, again, if it waited until July 30th, then that contract of the fourth player picked yep. would count in the deal. Therefore, the monies would match. The, the money coming in with Davis mm-hmm. would match within the parameters of the money that the Lakers are sending out. But since it's going to go down on July 6th, from everything we sound, we hear... That money doesn't count for the Lakers going out. Therefore, the money that Davis is coming in with is more than the Lakers are sending out. The Lakers have to absorb the discrepancy onto their books. And that's why their salary cap is going down to either 27 million if Davis waives his $4 million trade bonus, 23 million if he doesn't waive his trade bonus, which has been reported that he's not going to waive right, his trade now, bonus. Now he's going to take the money, which I would too if I was a player. I well, it depends if they if they were in. The, let's say that Kyrie Irving said, "Hey, I'll come for 27. And, and then Davis says, "No, I want my four million. Right? And you're the worst stupid. guy ever. Right? But right now he's going to say, "I'll take it." But the other part of this that people aren't talking enough about is that the Lakers really probably only have about 18 million in cap space because they, as you mentioned, they don't they couldn't even field a starting lineup right now. <laughs> so the cap hold of Reggie Bullock, who is a guy that a lot of people think they're going to have to retain, is a little over four million. If they want to keep the possibility of retaining him, which very likely they may need to just to fill out a roster, they have to keep his cap hold on the book. And that makes their cap space only about $18 million. So there's a ton of layers to this, but the bottom line is there's really only two ways that I can figure this went down. I texted an executive about this. I said, tell me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. The Lakers either didn't understand the timing mechanism and didn't understand it was going to screw with their cap space. And now, after everyone has made them realize it, they're rushing back to the Pelicans and saying, oh my God, we got to push this deal back. At which point, the Pelicans are either going to say, kick rocks, right, or give us even more. Right. <laughs> right. Or they're going to rob them even more. Right. Right? Or else the Lakers go into it with Matt, with cap space that they didn't plan on having in, in a lower amount. Right. There's only two ways this can go. And I have to think... If the Lakers were fully aware of this situation, they would have already asked the Pelicans this question. They, before the deal went down, when they would have said, look, we need this to not become official until July 30th because we want to maintain our cap space. If they asked them that, presumably New Orleans already said no to that. Right. So why are they going back to them now? I don't think they knew. I right. really don't think Rob Polink and his front office really knew the fine print that David Griffin obviously does know, a seasoned GM. Yep. He understands the fine print and the mechanisms of all these things. Look, look at the track record of the Lakers. I think they got caught off guard by this, and now they're scrambling back to the negotiating table. 
Uh, and I don't think they're going to get it. So what do you think the Lakers, what's the most likely situation that they're able to figure out something that they're able to move these pieces and get a max guy or that they realize, Hey, we can't do it. So we're going to kind of backfill with some veterans on some, you know, one year deals, some shorter term so that we can well, for, for, fill out our roster put with this, guys that put might it, be able to help these Put it this two. way. It's, it's the Lakers. And if they have any shot at another max free agent, whether we can, I don't think that would be the right move. But if they have a shot at one, they're going to do it. Right. Because they're the Lakers. That's the PR. That's why they did Anthony Davis in the first place. I would argue they shouldn't even have made the trade for Davis. Really? Uh, because, look, Carmelo Anthony did the same thing to the Knicks. Here's a team that I can just go to as a free agent. But I'm so antsy to get there that I make you dump your whole squad to get me there a little bit earlier. Right. And the Knicks stunk for however long because Carmelo Anthony made him give up everything to get him. He could have just gone there that summer as a free agent. Anthony Davis could have said, you know what? I'm sticking this out one more year. Yep. And the Lakers will then have LeBron and Lonzo and Ingram and Hart and all their future all the draft picks gave up. to then they could potentially trade safer. They could have used those pieces to trade safer Bradley Beal. Yep. And now Anthony Davis joins LeBron and Bradley Beal. And all those future assets. So now when LeBron leaves, the Lakers are still stacked. As it stands right now, as soon as LeBron leaves, which he's got what, one, two more years left? If that in his prime? I think that would, I think some people might push back on that, but I would say two years, maybe you could okay, make an argument. Okay, but you're still playing yeah, yeah. on it's, a finite clock. Absolutely. And he just had an injury, which he's never suffered before and missed that much time. You've taken away every future asset to rebuild. And once again, here the Lakers are just planning on blue sky outcomes that well, now we got Anthony Davis, so other guys will just come. Right. They don't have any resources to get other guys. So <laughs> right. to, to circle back to your original question, uh, they're going to make the splash move, whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing. Yep. Uh, if they have a chance, they'll get a max free agent. I don't think they'll have the chance. I don't think the Pelicans will push it back, and they're going to have to spend that money in a smarter way on the margins than they did after they signed LeBron. If they don't, this idea that, that they're the, the favorite – is ridiculous. is ridiculous. It's funny how the um the conversation has flowed over the past, you know, four or five months because, you know, they got they got LeBron and it was like, all right, they're gonna be great and magic. Then, you know, everything imploded on them and the Lakers are the laughing stock. And then they pull off this trade and it was like, Oh, Rob Palinka got what he wanted, maybe it's not so bad. And then I'm back to well, do they really have a plan? You know, it's kind of just funny how the conversation but goes Danny, up and down and it flows. It, but listen, did they pull the trade off? Who else was bidding against them? Right. <laughs> they gave up the whole house, and nobody else was putting an offer in. The right. Celtics' offer was gone. Well, that's why. So let's take a break because I do want to talk about the Celtics uh, possibly being in there and what sort of their future looks like as they've missed out on Anthony Davis. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I was checking Kawhi Leonard's uh, years of service. Oh, okay. Because that, that short-term contract is interesting to me. To take the one-year option well, or to stay if, one more year? Well, 
one and one, I would think, because he's got eight years of service. Once you get to ten years of service, it jumps up exponentially what you, you can make. Yeah, it's like thirty-eight million, I think, as opposed to like thirty-two per right. year. So uh, that that's interesting. Yeah, uh, definitely interesting. I think the two best case scenarios for Kawhi Leonard for the NBA are either the Clippers or to stay in Toronto. And if I was leaning one way or another, I'd probably say sorry, Toronto, but I'd probably say the Clippers. Just from a market standpoint, if you had the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis and you had Kawhi and somebody else, because he's not going to go there alone, I wouldn't think. Well, they have to trade Danilo Gallinari in order to have a second max contract. But we're going to talk about the Celtics. Yep. And the Clippers, I think, are the team that everyone's talking about. Horford has something lined up with. Oh, nice. So speaking of that, so it just came out. So yesterday, Horford um, opted out of his contract and it was like whoa what's he doing he's passing on 30 million dollars in my mind i was thinking what's the big deal he's going to get a hundred or around there from somebody else um and you're saying you think it's going to be the clippers you think yeah, the, clippers if, if, the most likely landing spot if you look at the salary cap situation of the clippers and what horford is probably in the market to make that hundred million that people are projecting is probably not 25 25 25 25 it'll start like 21 and it'll escalate five percent per year uh, over the four year term. So it's more like somewhere 21, 22, uh, in that first year. And that's under what the Clippers have. They, do, again, if, unless they trade Danilo Gallinari, they don't have a max slot. So Horford is suddenly a guy that comes in and makes that team significantly better and fits their cap space. Uh, I think that it makes a lot of sense for them, certainly if they get Kawhi, uh, because that team, uh, really reflects the Toronto team. Like it's full of a lot of really good players, mm-hmm. solid players that can support Kawhi Leonard, they can shoot, they can play defense in a versatile way, they can rebound, they have a lot of energy, and that's pretty much the exact blueprint that Kawhi laid down in Toronto. Uh, and I think he can go there and do do pretty much the same damage, although the Western Conference is tougher. How do you how do you justify – I'm not criticizing him. I'm just saying like the things I've heard from Kawhi Leonard is I, want, I just play for championships, I just want to win – then why not stay the extra year? I mean, I get the long-term well, it's guarantee. Not like they're, it's not like Toronto's for sure going to win. But they would be the favorite in the Eastern Conference for sure, wouldn't they? I don't know. Like, it depends. You know, another team that possibly could maybe pursue Horford is the Bucks. Um, You know, you don't know what – I think the Sixers lost to the Raptors. Yeah, right. a, a couple bounces, five well, bounces. It looked like he was playing Plinko. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I don't think that they would necessarily be – the. I still think the Celtics – can be a factor. I think there's ways that they can maneuver their roster to be a factor. So, you know, let's be honest about this. The Raptors are a good team. Kawhi Leonard proved himself as one of the three best players in the world, maybe the best player. Yep. They played a mash unit in the finals. They probably don't win that championship. I think we can all agree if the Warriors are healthy. Oh, totally. Barely, barely got past the Sixers. So let's not act like Kawhi's leaving a sure thing here. Right. I think he pretty much would have just as close an opportunity to win with the Clippers presuming that they add a second piece with him, uh, as he would in Toronto. Right. Uh, from the Celtics standpoint, because I think there are two ways you can look at this. Uh, and I've seen most people trending towards Danny Ainge is overrated. Uh, his whole plan is blown up in his face. You just talked about storylines. You know, well, so I'm trying to give, so I'm trying to give you the different perspectives here of what I've been hearing uh, on the NBA landscape. You tell me which one you think it leans more toward. So Danny Ainge is overrated. Uh, he's got one championship. He had all, he had acquired all these assets and all he's got to show for it is the young players that are there, but he's losing out on Kyrie. Now Al Horford is leaving. He's overrated. But then there's another side. And I think this is a probably a little bit of a smarter approach to say is this team a year ago without Kyrie Irving was really close. And a lot of those players are still there. When you look at Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown, some of the younger pieces that he had been acquiring in years past, maybe they're in a better spot than we think. 
which side would you lean towards? They're in a better spot than we think. Right. No, no question. And the thing with evaluating the track record of anyone in anything that you do in life, like if you just look at the big picture, like things haven't worked out the way the Celtics had planned. Everybody thought that they were going to be this like penciled in Eastern Conference supremacy for years to come. And that hasn't happened. So by that standard, somehow Danny Ainge and, and the Celtics have failed. But if you look at the mechanisms and why that has happened, like they can't control Gordon Hayward. Right. Yeah, leg a major play. injury. And yeah. that's really the biggest thing. He was supposed to be like the number two, the one B guy. And now he can't even start. So that shook everything up. And the second part is Kyrie Irving has just not proven to be a winner outside of LeBron James. He just hasn't. Right. I mean, the Celtics went farther without him than they did with him. And I think that's something Brooklyn should seriously consider. If he doesn't have a second guy with him, like he's a great player if somebody else is carrying the load and he can put you over the top. But if you think he's going to be the driver, uh, he just wasn't that for the Celtics. Uh, and and the third part of, the, of evaluating Ainge is something that the Pelicans have to decide on right now. When you just pile up assets, you pile them up and pile them up, it looks so good on paper and we can make any trade and we have all this leverage. At a certain point, those assets have to turn into functional thriving NBA players, and then you have to decide which ones do I pay, which ones do I trade, and it becomes a very, very difficult decision, and you can kind of get paralyzed by it, and that's what happened to Danny Ainge, like, do I trade Brown, do I trade Smart, you know, when Kawhi Leonard was available, nobody knew if he was healthy, mm-hmm. everyone thought he was a one-year flight risk, which he still might be, everyone thought Paul George was for sure going to the Lakers, so all these individual ideas that people said Ainge should have pulled the trigger, mm-hmm. at the time that they happened, there was reasonable doubt that the move he made was actually the smarter move. And it just hasn't worked out. I wouldn't say that like Danny Ainge is some kind of idiot. Right. But a lot of people are saying he's overrated. He made all the, his whole plan is blown up in his face. I don't agree. I, like I tried to. He was this close to right. pulling off the greatest rebuild in NBA history. And he may still. Right. Remains to be seen. Um, I think it's interesting when you say that about Ky- um, Kyrie Irving, cause I, I, I believe the same thing. It seems like he's not the alpha male that you can build around, the one. Uh, and I think it has a lot to do, not only on the court, but I think dealing with the criticism yeah. I think he struggled with. I mean, he's, he's been, you know, he's spoken about that a long time. I think it's similar to franchise quarterbacks. And I think there are only four or five quarterbacks in the NFL. You can plop them in any team and all of a sudden they're instant playoffs. Like right. Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning did it. Um, you know, Tom Brady, obviously, Drew Brees. Drew Brees. But then there are quarterbacks who are I mean, really, like, really like good. Philip Rivers. Yeah, I, see, he's, he's, I would put him, yeah, he's good, but I would say like Matt Ryan would be like a Kyrie. Oh. Like Matt Ryan is an MVP caliber quarterback, oh. but you have to put good talent around. You have to put him in the right. Well, then that's place. to that point. You can't just drop him anywhere. Right. I, no, that's why I'm saying he's guy. a different, okay. I'm saying he's the Kyrie Irving of okay. the NFL. Right. You know what I mean? But I'm saying like, like he I can think... win a championship for you, but you have to have Julio Jones healthy and a good defense and you know, the right system and he can make all the throws. But I don't think if you put Matt Ryan on the Miami Dolphins, they're all of a sudden instantly yeah. contenders. So you know what I mean? He's a Kyrie. I think so. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um, you know, even maybe like like a Cam Newton, like somebody who is like obviously so physically gifted. You know, I think there's a very, very big difference between super talent and superstar. Totally. And and Kyrie Irving is unquestionably a super talent. Yep. Uh, but he just, you know, to be a superstar and to be able to plop someone as the one a in any scenario and say that they're going to be an instant contender, you have to, and this is a cliche, but it's true. You have to raise the level of the people around you. Even LeBron James or Kevin Durant at their height 
they're not nobody's good enough one on five. So you have to make the team better than the sum of its parts. You got to make the Danny Greens better than they are. And I think that's something that we saw with Steph Curry. The Warriors with Clay Thompson goes down, Kevin Durant goes down, and somehow they're one shot from game seven of the NBA finals. There's only one reason for that, and it's Steph Curry. Yep. He's making pedestrian players, if that, play and, and succeed in the NBA finals. And that's the difference between a superstar and a super talent. And I don't think Kyrie Irving is that. And I think to some degree, uh, that was the, maybe the wrong bet to make. Uh, for the Celtics, I think they might honestly be getting off a little bit easy if he leaves. All right, welcome back to Kinell and Bell, hanging out with Brad Bakken. Raja Bell is out on a little vacation. Uh, there's this idea. I didn't know this idea was a thing, uh, but I was sitting there watching one of these topics in our rundown, and I said, hold on a second. You overheard me saying this was crazy, and you're like, I think it would work. So this uh, Kevin Arnovitz for ESPN.com wrote an article proposing the NBA gets rid of the NBA draft, which is happening tomorrow night. Um, I think it would destroy the NBA. I think it would absolutely, you would see a separation of powers, which may already be there, but it would even enhance it even more because if I'm Zion Williamson, I'm looking at LA or New York and those two markets and saying, all right, I'm going to sign with those guys in the highest bidder. Here we go. And I think every single year you would see that transpire. Maybe you'd see a kid from who grew up in South Florida say, I'm going to go to the Miami Heat uh, and the Heat make a run. Maybe you see some other one. But I think markets like Memphis, New Orleans, who actually do have opportunities this year getting those picks, uh, would become obsolete. Your yeah. counter. No, no, I'm going to, I just, I like a little back and forth because I want to hear where you're thinking first okay. now, now, before I give out all my ammunition. Okay. I want to get, see just a little, right. just a little kind of, you know, crossfire here. Right. So first of all, yeah. you didn't set it up right. I don't, I don't <laughs> right. love the idea. I oh, okay. simply recognize that it is based in logic. Uh, it's, it's sort of like healthcare. Like I have no idea how to execute this thing, <laughs> but I, I think that the idea of everybody being able to go to the doctor makes sense. Now, right. I, I don't know how to make it happen. Uh, but it's something that still plagues our country thing. too. It's, it's very, very difficult to figure out how you would execute this because there are always unintended consequences. Right. But on the surface, every single thing that the NBA does is in an effort to keep the talent spread out, to keep, to your point, small markets with an opportunity. The problem with that is retention. The small markets, they're not going to retain as many players when the guys don't want to be there in the first place. If a guy gets to choose any job that he goes to in the world mm -hmm. and he has a say in it, he has a say in who he's working for, who he's working with. These are things that everybody in the world considers where they want to live and they make a choice on their terms. They're probably more likely to stick with that choice for longer than somebody. So just, let's just say, I don't know if this is true, but let's just say Zion does, wants nothing to do with New Orleans. Right. Right. And he's the best in his field. Now, if you're the number one lawyer at Harvard Law, nobody comes up to you and says, you have to go live in Boise. Right. You get to make your choice based on your terms that you've earned, and then you go make that choice. Now, to your point of that it would sway the favor of the, of the league even more in the direction of the super teams, I totally disagree with that because the idea of this is you're effectively making everybody an unrestricted free agent. Mm -hmm. Salary cap still applies. So the Lakers, let's just take this year for instance. Right. Lakers ain't got no money. Yeah, who they got, how are they gonna pay Zion? Right. 
You know, when when uh, when Memphis or somebody else of his choosing uh, says, I can pay you 30 mil, Lakers, Lakers I can pay 16. Lakers aren't going to get very many young guys their first. Co- so the salary cap is the key. Okay. If it was wide open and there was no cap, everybody, of course, everybody would go to the bigger teams. The salary cap keeps it right. So here's what I would say. Maybe he wouldn't go to the Lakers. He could go to the Clippers. And they would make room for him. Or if it was the same thing, if it was the Knicks, you'd have the Nets or you'd go somewhere regionally where you were a little bit closer. You just, I, I just don't even assume that because. And here's the thing. Like, I, I totally hear what you're saying. Like, yes, it is different than being a doctor or a lawyer and you're the best. You get to pick wherever you go. The counter would be, well, you get to do that when you've earned your stat. When you, cause there's a lot of speculation. We think Zion Williamson is going to be a star. I don't know exactly where you land on that, but. He might not be. So you might, you know, he might get to choose and get this max contract and get all this money. But that's the team's decision to make. For sure. For sure. That's an open market. Any employer. Right. They can say, look, I I don't think you're good enough. You haven't proven enough. I'm not going to pay you. Right. Some other team will say, I'm willing to take the chance. Right. That's like a young lawyer coming out of Harvard or or whatever. That, that's up to the employer to choose. The, the, The question is if, you know, a lot of interesting things were brought up in the article that you're referencing here. Kevin Arnovitz on, on ESPN. Uh, you know, guys make decisions, women, everybody that's going for jobs, they make decisions on real life things like who do you want to work with? Who do you want to work for? Not every guy would go into the NBA draft and say, I want to go to the Lakers just because they're the Lakers or just because they're in L.A. Right. Like, what if he's not going to get any playing time? Right. You know, if, if you were going to your first job out of college and they said, you know, you can come here and make six million bucks and you're going to do intern type work. Mm hmm. Or you can go to this place that's not as glamorous, but we're going to pay you double the money, and you're going to get to do high-profile stuff right away. You know, so what teammates are you playing with? One interesting thing that was brought up, you know, with the greater emphasis now on training and how people are taking care of their bodies, maybe one team's got a different kind of philosophy with their trainers that you want to work with. All of these factors that normal people get to look into for their jobs are just thrown upon athletes, and and you have to deal with them. And so if you're in a place that you're unhappy, that you didn't even have any say in choosing, retention factor is going to go way down. These things to me are just But the retention logical. factor already is way down. Then what do you Don't have you to think? then what do you have to lose? Um I th- I think the bigger concern would be parity across the league. I think you would see the smaller markets become obsolete because I think players would all the time go to the bigger market, oh which is kind of no, what they do I now. Yeah, well, and, and the other thing too is so this is where I was a former athlete. So let's say you're coming out of Florida State. Yep. And you got kind of a, you know, let's not even say a, a terrible team because that's, you know, drastic examples don't make for right conversation. Right. So let, let's say it's just like the Titans. Right. You know, and you're going to go like seven and nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or you can go be the backup on the Patriots. Right. Where are you going? Don't Probably tell me you're play. not considering the Titans. Right. So, so here's where. What's, I, what's the deal? Here's where I would say this is where I disagree with because I hear this all the time. There are some instances where the NBA is like the real world or, or professional sports and there are some where it's, there just aren't. And I'm okay with that. Like, you know what I mean? Like you get paid a lot of money and part of the collective, the all of the NBA players getting paid all the money that they do is the health of the overall league. Yeah. And that's where I think Adam Silver is trying to ensure that there is equal footing, even though we know in reality well, there a lot of clearly make isn't. That argument say you're not going to work for a particular team; you're going to work for the NBA. Right? The NBA is hiring you, and this and was getting, collectively bargained. The, the draft process, you know, I mean, it no was question. collectively. I mean, listen, it's obviously a layered conversation, but uh, do you think it ever happens? Because I think that's, well, that's the other thing. I don't think it would ever, ever happen well, in a look, million years. I, I disagree with that because 
they've already instituted a lot of things to pick at this problem of tanking. And at the root of this, that's what the problem is, is nobody wants to incentivize losing to then bring in a player that he doesn't want to be in. You bring a great player to a bad team, and he, that's not good for the league. Like, right, like, are we arguing this year that it's good for the league for the top two players in the draft to go to New Orleans and Memphis? The worst markets, right. Right, but and it, worst teams. It, it, it just worked out that way because of an unintended consequence. They wanted to do away with tanking, so they took down the odds. It used to be if you were the worst team, you were going to get the number one pick, odds on. Yep. They did away with that because they didn't want it. But what they did is now they incentivized just lose a little bit less. Right. Because you can still get a top pick without, you know, just don't make the playoffs is what they say now. Right. Now everybody's equal. They're still incentivizing losing. So they pick at these things to try to do away with what the big problem is, and then there's an unintended consequence they didn't account for. And there would be the same thing if you just up and got rid of the draft. But I think eventually they're clearly working their way toward this because incentivizing losing, incentivizing being bad, and that's the worst thing. I can't stand taking. But that's I don't what like this. Is, but that's what this sure. is all about. Right. If it's an open market, there's absolutely no incentive. In fact, there. And this was another point that was made in the in the in the article that I think is spot on. If you had to go out and bid and pitch yourself as a team to a player to say, "Come play for me," the way a law firm would have to, you know, negotiate or compete with other right. law firms to get the best lawyers then you'd have to put your best foot forward. You have now every incentive as an organization to win, to put the best medical staff together, to put the best coaching staff together, to put every, to get the best arena, to put your best foot forward so that Zion Williamson might choose you. When billionaire owners are incentivized to do nothing, to not upgrade their staff, to be garbage owners like Robert Sarver in Phoenix, mm-hmm. to not do anything to help their franchise, to, to not hire the right coaches, to be ridiculously unprepared for the draft, to not scout well, to not do anything just to get the best player. It's the wrong system. It rewards the wrong things. And I think eventually we will move toward teams having to put their best foot forward to attract the services of the best players. Because let's be honest, in any professional sport, the talent is the product at the end of the day. Yep. And we're seeing in this whole movement of like players taking control of their careers, that's the way it's going. And I just, I mean, I don't know if it'll be well, in my Well, see, here's lifetime. where I would have loved to see seen Zion I mean, it's Williamson. Gonna, it's, something close will happen. Here's what I would have loved to see seen Zion. And not nothing against New Orleans, but if, let's say it was Memphis or New Orleans, for Zion Williams to say, you know what? I think I'm going to go back to Duke for another year. And just load up on a massive insurance deal. Or if they change the rules. Class, like or if they change the rules. Class Class is so minimal. It's such a joke oh. nowadays. You can be, even at Duke, you can find some classes that you get to. And that's why, and you Carolina know where that becomes, right? you know where that becomes maybe a reality is if the NCAA does approve, if you're able to get paid for your likeness and he could have gone back to Duke yeah. and had a massive shoe deal Again. with Nike, then he comes out and controls a little bit more of his Again, own destiny. Again, every part of the conversation trickles down to something totally. else. So now it trickles into, well, if there was another option for these guys, there'd be more leverage for them. I mean, obviously college players should be getting paid. You know, so like, that's ridiculous. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, that's oh, a whole nother get, conversation. Oh, come on. Come that's on. That's a whole nother conversation. Like, man, All right. I would hire like a, an actor, like a child actor yeah. who's like the main actor in a billionaire film. Right. Makes a billion dollars. But because the kids, you know, technically an amateur, whatever, they give him like a scholarship to preschool. <laughs> that's ridiculous. I mean, that this guy's the product. 
All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. Hanging out with Brad Botkin here, finishing out the show. Uh, the Pelicans, uh, I don't think they're done. I think David Griffin is one of the better GMs in the NBA. I think that's evidenced by the deal he made with the Lakers, which I think at the surface, everybody's like, oh, it's pretty even. It's And it might be. But I think when you look at some of the details, as we talked about off the top of the show, I think he might be in a better position now uh, that you look at it. 100%. Um, I think all the assets that he acquired are on the trade blocks. And maybe not that he's actively shopping them, but I think he would listen to pretty much any call that's out there. Yep. I think the fourth overall pick is also out there, no and question. he's hanging it by a thread. And I don't think they're done. Yeah, no question. You know, we got to trace this back to the beginning here. This Lakers package that – New Orleans got isn't that much. They got a, a few more future picks, but I think Lakers would have thrown that in at the trade deadline too. Right. So this is not that much different than the package that Dell Demps turned down. So David Griffin's got a little debt to owe to Dell Demps because by holding off, they get that fourth pick because you send Davis to the Lakers at the trade deadline and they don't stink. They probably make the playoffs. So they don't fall to the fourth pick. Doesn't make the deal. Doesn't benefit Dell Demps. He still loses his job. But right. now David Griffin walks into a situation where the Lakers have the fourth pick, and that can become the swing factor in the deal. To your point, uh, I definitely don't think they're done. And what's beautiful about the Pelicans right now is they can go two different ways. They can go all in on the youth movement, and they can trade Drew Holiday, yep. who's got a lot of value on the open market, and bring in even more assets and just go pedal to the metal, old school Celtics. I'm going to pile up as many assets as I can and see what happens. Or they still have a pretty good team in place. Yep. Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson. Still young. Drew Holiday, bring the name. They could bring back Julius Randle. And if they go out and make a move, let's just hypothetically say they make a move for Kevin Love. All right? They trade with the Cavs. The Cavs have every incentive to add draft picks. Yep. They bring in Kevin Love. And now you got Kevin Love, Drew Holiday, Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, maybe bring back Julius Randle. That's a playoff starting five, no question. I think they can make a move for Bradley Beal. You throw the four spot to the Wizards, Mm -hmm. who have to do everything they can to to do as much rebuilding as possible while under the weight of that John Wall contract. You can't do much better than, say, Brandon Ingram and the fourth pick. Yep. The Pelicans can, can put the pedal down and stick with Holiday and be, I think, a top five team. In the West, or they can go the other way and pile up assets. David Griffin has them in the catbird seat. Yep, he absolutely does. And it'd be fun to see how that unfolds uh, with the draft coming up tomorrow night. A lot of stuff that's in play uh, for sure with the NBA. Uh, the NFL, uh, we had Brett Favre. I don't know if I believe him or not, but he had his official this Instagram. This isn't real, is it? Well, so here's the thing. His official Instagram had an announcement. It had Brett Favre's picture, and it said, I'm making a comeback, right? Then Brett Favre came out and said, so he said uh, his quote was, a true champion sticks to his or her calling. I will be coming out of retirement, making my return to the NFL for the 2020 season. Stay tuned for more news. Uh, and it's a picture of him when he's receiving one of his uh, Super Bowl uh, uh, MVPs probably. So he comes out after and he says, tells TMZ that the account was hacked. I think he might have just been trolling everybody. Like he might have just been joking. He's been joking about it. He's joked about it before. Man. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Either way, it's not real. Either way, it's not real. Way, I wish not, it was. He does. He does look kind of yoked in some of his like new. Absolutely, he does. So here's the thing: we're seeing Brady. He's 42 or 43. Bajubri's same era. You asked me if I thought oh, I could play. I thought I could go out and get you a series or two, get a first down completion every once in a while. Favre could definitely still get it done. I don't. Obviously, could he play 16 games? Probably not. 
But you got down to the stretch, and let's say the Patriots, let's say Tom Brady tore his ACL in week 13. I think Brett Favre could step oh. in and do it. Oh, I would man. love to see him try. Would I would be, love to see him give it. Well, I would too. Yeah. I feel like that would be a disaster. <laughs> it could be. The gunslinger. And it might be. Whatever he is, 42 right. for the gunslinger. Right. It, it's unrealistic because of the complexities of the offenses that are out there. Uh, you'd have to learn all the nuances. It would be a virtual impossibility, but I would love to see Belichick him give it the wants try. Like, the like quick hitter. Oh, run. Instead, he like every interception he threw, running around. He would, he would go berserk if that was the situation. Yeah, I don't, I don't, think, gonna, I don't do think that's going to happen. I don't think so either. Uh, you've seen guys, you know, he would provide a lot of value as a backup like if you had him come in and he was on a system and he was backing up a young quarterback um you know a kyler they're two different styles the thing but like is, a though, kyler was he ever Murray. like really an intellectual quarterback you know we did an oral history on brett Favre a couple of years ago here and it was really cool it was all of his backups he's had like a tremendous array of backups I'm oh yeah sure aware of this. well there was the one year they had mark brunell and ty detmer yeah. and Kurt warner was in yeah, camp yes kurt warner was there yeah i mean he's had a wealth of them. matt hasselbeck has been one of his backups right. he's had a ton of good backups. so he talked we talked to all of his backups the oral history was through all of the eyes of all of his backups and the stories they told was not didn't really paint the picture of like the veteran who'd be on the sideline chart next as a nose. Right. I mean, he was like hanging his dirty underwear in lockers and like betting, betting. Oh, he's a, he's one of the best dudes out there. He's an epic dude. Dude didn't know what a nickel defense was in his, in his, so Ty Detmer I did told hear that story. story. <laughs> like in his, I, it was one of his first couple of years or something, like the play came in and said, this is what we run against nickels. And he was like, What's a nickel? <laughs> oh, right. No, the stories are legendary. I'm not sure he's coming into the backup. I'm, I mean, by the end of his career, I'm still not sure he was like a playbook guy. No. Uh, but see, here's not where to I say think, he was an idiot, but. But see here, I think that's great. Like, I think we need more guys like that. I think you can get caught up too much in being a robot and being, I'm just going to go through the playbook. My progression is going to be one, two, three. And if it's not there, I'm going to throw it away. And I think that's the trend we're moving to with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and it's Patrick like, it's Mahomes. It's kind of like golf. Everybody's got a robotic swing. Every, yeah, the players that come up feel more system, and they've come up the same way with the same coaching. Yep, I agree with that. The one the caveat to that would be if, if Brett Favre's going to be your coach, you better have his bazooka. Right, right. Like, you got to have a cannon to pull off can, some of the plays can, he you made. Can, you can run around like Sandlot style, but you got to be able to whip it in there. Yep, absolutely. Um, so there was a so we had a conversation not that long ago uh, last weekend when the U.S. Women's World Cup was going on, and the U.S. team scored 13 goals, and they were out there, you know, celebrating. I didn't love it. I had no problem with the score. So apparently there is uh the US under 16 U16 women's basketball team was playing El Salvador. Are you familiar with the score of this game? No. They won 114, they put up 114 points and El Salvador only scored 19. They out-rebounded them 64 to 23. Uh this was the FIBA Americas U16 championship. Um, they was, were the backups in 70 points. I'm sure they were. Yeah. Cause I, this is one of those things where at a certain it, point, even your third stringer, well, that's what happened to Florida state. Cause I was getting crushed for, again, the score differential in the world cup matters. So it didn't have a problem with that. But people were like, well, you ran up the score of Florida state. You're right. But I never played in the second half. We just had a guy who was really good at quarterback that was going to be playing. He was younger and we put in backups across the board. Right. And you have to get them work. You want to get them experience. And I'm right. sure that's what the U16, they probably have 14 year olds and 15 year olds that aren't, you know, they're younger and they need to get the experience of playing. And you don't want to have them go four corners and stall and not shoot or intentionally miss shots. You want them to still perform. That's where you've got to go. All right. Step it up the rest of the country or the rest of the world yeah. and try to get better. You know, now yeah, I, I would, mean, I would guess though, they weren't celebrating the way the U S women's world cup was when they were up 12 and 13 to nothing. Yeah. I got no problem with that. I mean, when you get down into the into the kids, 
it's it's a totally it different is a little uncomfortable. Well, that's why that's where you should implement rules like you have with the ten run rule in uh, baseball. If you're up ten runs, you stop the game after four innings. Uh, in football, a lot of times you go rolling clock. And it seems like this is one of those instances where it is youth. They are younger. But it's, it's totally, where you need to do something yeah. to prevent this massacre. Obviously the World Cup's different. It's a goal difference yeah. matters. Yep. Uh, but once you get past the kid level, I got no sympathy for getting your doors blown. No, I don't either. The college level. Like, if you don't want to get beat, stop it. I mean, these idea that there's these unwritten rules, even in professional sports, that, like, you can't steal second. when Oh, you're see, I totally disagree. Oh, there's something about a, class and sportsmanship. Oh, give me and there's also something called athlete. karma. Stop it. Karma is stop it. Real then. thing. Stop Karma it, will come back to get you Stop it, every then. single time. You run up the score, in a couple years, it might come back Stop and get it, you. Then. You're crazy. You're, you're a Brad Bakken, thanks for filling in for us, man. We'll see you tomorrow.